You're listening to From Here with Delia and Dawn, featuring fresh perspectives from Asian American parents who are striving to build community and raise kids with socially conscious and anti-oppression commitments. Thanks for joining us for this episode. Hey listeners, it's Dawn. Just a quick note about this episode. I recorded this episode with Valerie Francisco Menchavez on January 19th, 2021. And it was a day before the inauguration. And this episode is part one of two. So when you are done with this episode, go on over and download the second episode to listen to. I hope you enjoy it because I had a lot of fun recording this conversation with Valerie. All right, here we go. Hey, listeners, welcome back. We have another episode of From Here, and I have a very, very special guest that I'm going to be spending some time talking with, my homegirl, Valerie. Yes. Um, You know, Valerie's like this amazing person you will find out in a couple minutes when she starts doing her thing. Um, and thank you, Valerie, so much for taking time out and just chilling with me for the next, what, 20, 30 minutes. We're going to have a good conversation, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, and- Don. Thank you for having me on, on, on your podcast. I'm a fan of you, like in <laughs> yeah. general and the podcast. So I'm so happy to be here. Awesome. Well, um, so we usually start the podcast, um, and for you know our regular listeners, y'all know this. But whenever we have friends, you know, friends and homies that come on, we always give them a chance to reclaim that question: "Where are you from?" Right? That's our namesake for our podcast. So let's start off. Real, start off real quick, right, Miss Valerie? Where are you from? How do you want to answer that question? And tell us a little bit about yourself. I think I'm going to answer that question. Um, with a little piece of, I'm just going to blow your mind right here, Don, because I don't think you know this about me. So I'm just going to do it. Okay. She whispered in my ear, we going to be all right. I looked up at her face, stayed steady by her side. Couldn't help but think what made my mama cry that night. Soon as my father let her go, I got the message right. She couldn't bear tell her babies were flying across seas, flying far from daddy because ain't no future here. Quickly on a plane loaded up to nowhere, I asked Ma where to. She didn't know where. Baby girl tells me, I think I can't sleep. And bigger bro just telling us we gotta wait and see. Don't think about all the family we're leaving. We gotta forget them. We're America dreaming. Oh my gosh. Sorry, my head just exploded right now. What? So... A lifetimes ago, Dawn, I also, I highlighted, highlighted, moonlighted, highlighted, moonlighted as an MC, and <sighs> actually to my, like I, I'm gonna floss this and pop my collar two times with it. Um, I was in a rap group with a like well known um, and just like prolific Filipino American rap artist named Rocky Rivera. And so we were in this Filipina rap group together. Uh, okay, I'm shaking my head now because <laughs> I've known you for a minute. Okay, right. and we, why yeah. am I just finding out? Exactly. Oh. I'm sorry. And, All right. And so we were in this all four like Filipina rap group together called the Rhapsodistas, and um, I wrote this like um, this song about my family's migration story. Um, inspired by my Filipina um, 
American like MC sisters, uh, Rocky Rivera, and then Irene Faye, Faye Dulier, who um, is a poet and an artist, a creative right now. She used to be an eighth wonder, a Filipino American spoken oh word collective. Yes. And also Natasha Pineda, who um, was an organizer with the League of Filipino Student and um, also a poet. And she's a photographer and just an amazing person, too. Um, but it was inspired by them. And it was also inspired by Ghostface Killer. Oh my God. <laughs> Ghostface Killer has this. Um, <laughs> All that I you might you know that song and it's just there's no chorus don it's just him rapping yeah. about like his life in staten island in like 38 bars you know and um so i was thinking about my <laughs> this is a hella long way to answer this question no. but i think it. the immigration story in this song um is an immigration story from the Philippines. So I got to shout out my motherland. Um, I was born in the Philippines um, in Paranaque and came to the United States in 1992 with my baby girl, my little sister, and my kuya, um, who's my bigger brother and my mother. And we had left my father in the Philippines. Um, we're separated for a long time. And we moved here to the Bay Area, East Bay Area. I like to call it Far East Bay Area. Yeah, Far East. Far East, far East right. Bay Area, right? Because it's in Concord. So it's yeah. all the way over there where yes. Andre Nicotina, shout mm-hmm. out to Bay Area rap, mm-hmm. um, you know, all the way <laughs> only, by. Like, only, you baby, know. only Bay people know what the Hey, <laughs> don't see me, but I'm doing a little Mac Dre. Like, you know, anyway. Um, so I'm a Bay girl. And I think that. Um, one of the homes that I claim is the Bay Area. Um, as you know, like I was representing, you know, E40 on the verses, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, against, <laughs> um, but I also call lots of different places home in, in, in the United States. I got my PhD at the city university of New York, um, the graduate center. So I lived with my partner wow. there in Brooklyn for a long time and kind of grew up politically. And as like, like, you know, like figured out my tastes in wine and cheese (laughs) (laughs) and also um, like political activism, you know, in New York, it's such a center for global um, activism. Mm -hmm. And here, and then, you know, came back out to the West coast and did a stint in Portland, Oregon um, and shout out to my Kasamas in the Pacific Northwest who really in a place that was so, um, homogenous mm-hmm. homogeneously white let me just say it really <laughs> explicit um i found homes with folks of color um queer folks of color who just welcomed me in um, me and raul you know and so um i call the little pacific northwest I, I have like a soft place in my heart um but now i'm back here i'm in i'm teaching at san francisco state where I graduated from um, before I went and got my PhD. So shout out to them Gators out there. Um, And, you know, I call Daily City my home now. Uh, A big part of um, why people are like, girl, come back out to the Far East Bay and get you a (laughs) a ranch style home with the pool. I'm like, you know what? Uh, Daily City is... um, I, I can walk into a lucky California out here in here Tagalog or Visaya, I can in all in one day get mm-hmm. fresh bibinka and um, mm-hmm. barbecue, Filipino barbecue, okay, and a halo halo. Like, 
this is as close to home as it's going to be for a Filipino American immigrant. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. Daly City is going to be my home. And yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really trying hard to make it my home, for, like forever home, you know, mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. So where am I from? I'm from those places. I'm from those people um, that I just mentioned. And I'm from the communities that like really care for me in these places. Oh my gosh. I, uh, you know, like I said, I've known you for a minute and all of this is just. It's I was just keeping a- it in my pocket, Don. I was like, I'm just going <laughs> to bust it out. And she's going to be like, is she really <laughs> rapping on this podcast episode? Who, no, you heard a rap on this episode. <laughs> you, you know what it was? You know, I, you know, about, you know, Dr. Val, right? Like, I know you always got something, okay? Oh. Holding oh. back on me, right? So, so, you know, the, the cool part about, you know, this is that we met under mm. pretty, I think, in, you know, looking back, kind of funny circumstances. Real. Right? Real time. <laughs> Speak it. Yeah. And, and so what, I, wait, we were, okay. I was working at USF. At you the were time. the director of the, the intercultural. Hellas <laughs> in, in that acronym. That's right. The cultural centers. So intercultural centers and gender and sexuality center. And then you are a postdoc. You're a postdoc. Yeah. Pre-doc. I was oh, finishing up my dissertation. Oh, that's right. I had that fellowship um, to, have people come and finish their dissertation um, at USF. And what was great about that time, Don, I, you know, your son was so young and you were finishing up your dissertation and I was finishing up mine, but you had like a full fledged job, a child girl. Like (laughs) I was like, damn, this bitch is like really (laughs) doing it moving. I was like, okay, let me just, let me just wrap, tap, tap on my thing. Cause I really got only one thing to do. I just got to finish this thing. She's juggling a whole other set of things. Um, and I was trying to finish this dissertation and was really on the job market and, you know, trying to get a tenure track job, which is not easy um, for anyone. And especially not easy for women of color, um, you know? And so I think that's, where we found each other, we found a refuge in each other and our little sacred writing time to hold each other accountable, but also to like see each other like, damn, you struggling. <laughs> like you hella struggling. Okay, me too. Let's just do it together. You know what I mean? And I think at times, at times of like really great effort, we all need that. We all need someone to just keep it real and be like, yes. it's not just you, homie. <laughs> struggling, mm-hmm. me too. So let's do it together, you know? Yeah. So listeners, right. So the fantastic thing about Valor is like, so we, we met, I think it was like a, uh, Asian American studies, APA studies thing, departmental mm-hmm. thing. Right. And everyone yeah, was like yeah. super excited because I think you were like, um, like, every, like I knew about you before you were coming. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then came yeah. here and then like, I found you and it was like, oh, you know, you know that filter <laughs> with the hearts. Yeah. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> mm-hmm. coming at your eyes. Right? Right, exactly yeah. right. And then sister, okay, listeners, right? So there was this like secret writing room. Yes. Okay, there's a secret writing room where faculty could go and write, right? And so you know, but the bummer part of it was that I wasn't considered faculty over at USF. Boo-boo. But you know, but you know what happened? She was like, "Oh, f that!" You know, we're both. We're, I'm gonna get you in there. So then, like, 
like we would like coordinate our times, right? Mm-hmm. And then you would like we would meet there. You would let me in, and then mm-hmm. I would, we would just like write in that room, yeah. in that in that room, right? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was like out here, USF. This, I mean, this university that has more resources than any university I had been ever associated. I was just public school the whole way, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Acting like you know they were trying to act like okay, this one room, windowless room. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Ooh, I look like boo-boo the fool to y'all. No. I'm like, Don, you can come in. Anybody else need to come in, come on in. If you need to finish your dissertation, come in. So the best part about that time is that because of that room, because of you and your support, I wrote the majority of my dissertation, mm-hmm. right? In that space with you, you know? Yeah. I wrote two chapters and I drafted my third and pretty much like everything else fell into place because I had, you know, that time with you, you know? And so, I mean, and that was amazing. And you know, the, the, the thing that I remember most is like, here we are, right. Two women of color in that two AAPI women of color in that room. Right. And then all the faculty that would come in there. Right. Hmm. (laughs) <laughs> they didn't look like us okay the non-melanated faculty I'm like you can just be in your room like office, can't you, you gotta come in here <laughs> so then every time someone walked in i was always like <gasps> yeah i know, right? didn't know about faculty <laughs> they're gonna kick me like, for real, you had that? Like, you were like, oh, I'm so happy to hear that that time. I look back on it fondly, you know, Don, um, because I do think that that was a special time for me um, in terms of just like writing and creating these um, ideas. And now that dissertation has become a book, you know, and um, some of the bare bones of that book was really written right next to you at that, at the ivory tower <laughs> at USA. In that windowless room. In that windowless <laughs> ivory room. Windowless, yeah. Anyway, so. Since then, right? That's our origin story. I know, our origin story. Right? About origin story, okay. But since then, right, you had a couple kids. okay yes i birthed i birthed um a daughter i birthed a son and my book you know what i mean a a couple right so it's like the kids in the book like the books the books a child as well right yes yes and and the thing that you know i i really it's like part of your brilliance also is how you've been able to weave together i think the your commitments to working in the community, right? Your your consciousness in terms of the activism and the the work that you do still very much connected to what is politically going on in the Philippines. Yeah, right. Yeah, which which yeah. I think was very much, I think, also embodied in that book, right? Yeah, that you wrote yeah, about. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that book, you know, in a minute. Yeah. And then also like the way you and your partner just approach parenting, mm-hmm. right? I just, mm-hmm. I, you know, it's, so what is that? You know, I could talk to you about this for, for days, for days, right? Yeah. But what, what, what is that, you know, kind of weaving together? What has that been like for you? You know, Don, I really feel like I have lots of good examples um, and folks, you know, listeners on your podcast, um, you, other, um, and, and I say Kasamas, it's a 
um, a Filipino word, Tagalog word for comrades in, in my community who have, um, you know, think um, like just taken up mothering as part of their political work, right? And it's um, people like Patricia Hill Collins, um, who is a Black feminist um, scholar and intellectual, people like Michelle Tellez, who um, along with other Chicana, um, Chicana mother work um, scholars, artists, and activists run something called Chicana Mother Work. It's a podcast, it's a collective who have taught me that like our, one of our sites of struggle has to be our laps, mm-hmm. right? One of our sites of struggle um, to reimagine a new world has to be um, over the breakfast table in conversation with our children. And I think that um, those examples have been really key for me. Um, but it's also like um, in partnership with Raul to think about like, you know, what ethics, what principles do we want to be authentic to us? Like who who we were as, you know, young people who fell in love, who grew up together um, and who like committed to one another. What is authentically us that we, you know, can like pass along to our our children. And I think that, you know, um, as, as you heard in, in, in my, where are you from answer? It's like the, I left the Philippines, but the Philippines never left me, mm-hmm. you know? And I feel like so many immigrants, um, in my community in the Filipino American community, um, really resonate with that, you know, like we're still really clued into Philippine politics, you know, um, there's currently the Rodrigo Duterte's, um, the human rights violations in the Philippines are so egregious, Don. I mean, mm-hmm. it has mm-hmm. like the war on drugs that he has there has um, the people who have died under that name has surpassed like what was happening in martial law, you know, almost 30, 40 years ago and um, really still clued into that. And um, I just think that like, it's this, you know, sociologically as a scholar, you know, um, immigration scholars are always like, oh, when immigrants come to the new world. <laughs> right. Like, so what happens to the old world? <laughs> Do they just wipe that slate clean? Like, oh. nah, you know, and I think um, more and more the the scholarship is catching up to immigrants mm-hmm. who have said that we are, that we, we are holding this tension, right? We are the tether in which the old world and new world lives. And it's actually not this binary. It's like this other lived imagined space that we are like, you know, kind of holding on together with both of our hands, with all of our might, right? We're not trying to let one go so that we can, you know, hang closer to the new world or America or whatever it is. It's really something that we value both ways. And I think um, for my children who are Filipino American, right, they, were born here in the United States. They, you know, my partner doesn't speak Tagalog. His family's not even from the same province as I am. So they speak a whole different dialect. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder about like how much of their placement here in the United States and how they're growing up here. Um, I, I, I really think about how will I, you know, teach them about like my home, um, their ancestral homes too, you know, while treading lightly here, we live on Ohlone land, 
we live on, you know, we go and we hike on Miwok, you know, looking at over Miwok, uh, coastal Miwok like lands and how do we tread lightly and respect the lands that we have come and settled in while also acknowledging, you know, we're part of this transnational life, you know? Um, and I think that that weaving really comes from that very deep um, desire for for home and making home here. You know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I super appreciate that because you talked about like, you know, the 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 home country doesn't stop. That connection doesn't end yeah. just because, you know, you cross that border, you're right, right. into the States. Right. And that's still in your heart. There still is that. Mm-hmm connection that concern you know and I think a lot of folks I think are hesitant to articulate that because you know once you know you're you're here and you try and like settle you try and like stay focused on the things that are like uniquely here right yeah Yeah. and then also like hearing you you know negotiate what it's like you know with your partner who's not who you know sounds like has a has um you know, a firm, you know, mm-hmm. understanding and support of, you know, where you're coming from, also a firm understanding of his own, you know, yeah. Philippinex identity, right? And then how, how do you, you know, negotiating that and translating that, you know, to your right. kids, I think is, right. it's what you said earlier, like a mothering as political work, right? Mm-hmm. So if, you know, what does that look like for you on a day-to-day basis? Because we have, you know, listeners too who are just thinking about, right, like, you know, I'm not in the streets, right, but I have these values yeah. that right. I, I want to, I'm trying to translate, right? Yeah, work, yeah. You know, I, and work, think about that. that like? Yeah. yeah, like, you know, yesterday was Martin, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday, and um, every year we like to go to the Oakland um, March and yeah. um, there's like yes. a political education like little theater with abundant beginnings in the beginning in at the start of the event and then we march with community folk and then you know we end up and there's like a little carnival there and I think about um, you know the ways in which Dr. King's legacy has become so um, as it is with all kinds of things that we memorialize, it becomes so mainstream, right? Yeah. So for Chavez, hella appropriate. Hella appropriate. You know what I mean? Yeah. So thank you for naming it. I was trying to be, you know, <laughs> I was trying to be delicate, but okay, yeah. so let's go there. It's hella appropriated. Um and you know, and it's like it's this it's this message about love, which is true, but also Dr. King was a radical. He was an anti-capitalist. He was a firm internationalist, meaning um, really seeing like the war in Vietnam as, you know, a U.S. empire, imperial project, right? And he's like connecting alongside, you know, other thinkers of his time, Yuri Kochiyama and Malcolm X, who are saying like, this is, this is not the same. It's not the same, but it's pieces of the same empire right um which is anti-black racism in the united states and sort of you know neo-colonialism in southeast asia you know there's solidarity there there's opportunities for solidarity there um and i think one way and if we're and we wouldn't we didn't get to go out on the streets yesterday yeah right because we're we're usually we're usually at that march every year right and so yesterday was actually like kind of a struggle yeah, for me to right. figure out because it's like you can't go and you know do anything. No. Yeah, you can't. I mean, 
you know, we could have joined the caravan, but my children are six years old and three years old. And, you know, going up to Trader Joe's 10 minutes is everybody want to argue about the seatbelt. <laughs> is the seatbelt too tight today? <laughs> How are we going to be in the caravan for two hours? I don't know. So right. we couldn't go, we couldn't go this, this year. And, you know, I think for our listeners today who are not um, in the streets, I do think that these conversations with um, the young people who I share my life with um, is so key, right? Um, And I have been struggling, Don, to talk with them about um, the insurrection at the Capitol, right? Mm -hmm. When that happened a few weeks ago, um, Raul and I turned on the news and we're kind of, you know, in, in little bits, but, you know, like, they were seeing that, hey, we were really kind of um, turning on the screen more today than any other day. And they were seeing the images, right, um, that we were seeing. And, you know, my daughter was like, are we safe? Like, yeah. are they going to come get us? Like, you know, and I'm like, okay, so now number one, listeners, this is tip number one. <laughs> turn that thing off. Okay, yeah. turn that thing off. Um, and when things... When things pop off like that, of course, my thing is like, let me just check the news, but they're watching, you know, and it might be scary to them. It is. It was scary to me. So why wouldn't it be scary for for a six year old? And um, a big part of one thing that I want to do every day is to talk with them about what's happening in the world in a way that, you know, is let me just go ahead and say like this, it's like right around social emotional learning. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. um, in the past when um, the outgoing, you know, president Donald Trump would do some things like put children in cages um, on the border um, or, you know, things like that. You know, we would talk about, you know, what, what does it mean for, families to be away from each other, to be broken up. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think at the very core, you know, they could respond to that. They could respond to the idea of like, what if you and your brother couldn't be together and someone told you you couldn't be together and you couldn't play together. And I think at their very core, they understand what that means. Um, And so I think I err on that side. Like that's like my tip too. I'm out here giving tips. Yeah. Like no, I'm giving no, no, no. Tips. It's, okay. it's hella brilliant. <laughs> it's hella because what you just did, right? What you just what you just like did so I think in such a nuanced way, right? Is like there's a fine line between telling our kids what to think and then giving them space to mm. think about things, right? So you could have all been like you know, Trump's a, this awful person that put kids, he puts kids in cages and, you know, he like separates family, but, but instead, oh, maybe you did that. I don't know. But, but, you know, but instead the, what I, what, you know, what I think is the most important part about, you know, what you shared is like, you just ask your kids, you know, you know, what would it feel like to you yeah. to be separated, right, right? From the people that you love. Right. And, giving them the opportunity to think through and find, you know, the emotions and I'd be able to articulate the feelings on their own so that they can come back. And if they want to talk to you, or if you want to talk to them about why it's important, you know, to talk about these things, right? 
you've you've given them i think that space to feel and to you know to to personally connect with these issues yeah, yeah. and you know don i think there is also this way where you don't do it one time right you don't do it just one time like um my children go to um a daycare provider who is very social justice oriented here yeah, in Daly city and uh, i know it's so great um shout out to care about kids yeah, um, give them a shout out right handle instagram handle at care about kids um to just check out stuff that they're doing and um the early childhood educator that we have there her name is connie she does these puppet shows um mm-hmm. you know and so i think when big things like the insurrection at the capitol or tomorrow's inauguration at die um you know we play it out with the dinosaurs with my three-year-old, you know, like, um, and kind of enact or, you know, act that moment out, you know, like someone's going to come in and take your precious things. Like <laughs> my son is hella into like dinosaurs right now and space or like dino space. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's like futurity and ancestral. <laughs> I know. <Okay>. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Your son had the, good mind but we we do kind of um you know like act that out and and i think um people often like oh they're too young to understand i'm like man they understand hella you know they are understanding a lot more than we give them credit for and i think that um trying to like like what you were saying earlier don around like asking them those questions as professors and as educators, you know, we are often, people believe that we should just be delivering knowledge, right? Like all the students, you know, come and listen up because I'm about to give you all the answers because I know everything. It was only that easy, yes. Exactly, right? <laughs> but I think for us as critical educators, to me in my classroom, I always want to, you know, pose the problem a la Paulo Freire and Pedagogy of the Oppressed, right? He writes in that book, he says, we should pose the problem and then begin a conversation there. Um, and for, for educators, our, the, the, you know, the riddle is how do you ask a critical question that invites students to think critically about systems and then their relationship, their individual relationship? to those systems. I don't think that's hella different from how I want to raise my children. You know, I don't think that's hella different for, for them to think about. And you know what, Don, this, you taught me this when we were in that um, windowless room, you were like, <laughs> I'm a, I want to raise my son. And you know, maybe it's hella foggy now because you know, mommy brain, but you were like, I want to raise my son to know, you know, how to make good decisions, why he made, he made that decision and that like he belongs to a world, a collective, you know what I mean? Like a community. I don't want him to feel like he's making these decisions. He can articulate them, but it's just for him. You know what I mean? Does that sound familiar to you, Don? You sure did? I would love it in my diary, girl. Give you some uh, credit. And and, and you had said that this was a conversation that you had with your partner back then and I didn't have no children back there then but I have come back to that over and again you know now that I'm 
like a six-year-old mother, my, my daughter turned six December 24th, you know, mm-hmm. and, I, and those are some things that I hold fast to. I want them to be able to make the decisions that, you know, be good or bad. I don't even know if that's a real thing, good or bad, whatever. You make those decisions, you can articulate why, but you also know that those decisions have bearing on your family, whoever that collective is, that community that you see in your neighborhood, the communities that you you know that you see regularly, that you interact with, and this world, you know that that's the kind of questions I want to be posing to my children over the breakfast table when they're on my lap um, about the, what's happening in the world today, you know, and I, and I think you don't have to be an activist, you know. I mean, why not be an activist? Number one, but. Um, you don't have to be out in the streets mobilizing, you know, to do that, mm-hmm. to um, make concerted questions that will set your, 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 your family conversation up for you to, to explore, you know, systems of power and what's our relationship to that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. I had so much more. Okay, but hold on. We got to take a break real quick here. Okay, we got to we got to we got to take a break real quick here. Okay. So, hold on listeners, we'll be right back. And that's it. That's the end of part 1 of my conversation with Valerie. But fortunately for you, the last part of my conversation is the very very next episode. So, go on over download that episode maybe you know you take a break you know stand up take a stretch stretch break maybe get a drink of water and get yourself ready all right we'll catch you at the next episode